Good morning, All Seasons. It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning, and, and uh, I hope that you're kind of getting over the food and, and food and sitting around and sitting around and just, you know, all that stuff. And so uh, I hope that everything went well. I hope your traveling went well. As we were traveling, we saw several fender benders and things, and I hope that you were protected. I hope that uh, everybody that you know came out safe. It was I know it was rainy in certain places, and, uh, and it was just a, a time we pray for all of those who are still on the road, and those will be traveling all during this, this holiday season. So this morning, I'm going to bite off into something and uh, just see how far we get, and I may have to finish it up next week, which is normal with some of the thoughts that I do, and uh, sometimes I can't squeeze them all in at one shot, but we're going to see if we can, and we're going to go as far as we can, and uh, and just just kind of unwrap this thing. I want to speak this morning on this, just I guess simple thought, but a very profound thought during this time that a king is coming. When we get into this holiday season and we start this process, it's all about Christmas. And it's it's more seen as the baby Jesus. I love the Talladega Dega Knight movie from years and years ago where he says, you know, baby Jesus, you know, bless us, baby. Because most of the time when anybody thinks of Jesus or they think of anything religious, it's, it's baby Jesus. It's, it, because Christmas is the time that we relate that. But many times we fail to truly understand what is the significance of this birth or what is actually taking place at this birth. It's, it's not that the world was excited about baby Jesus. It was not that the world was all enamored by baby Jesus. It's not that the Magi brought gold and frankincense and myrrh to a baby Jesus. It was the understanding that a king was coming into the world, that a king was arriving. And so when we say that word king, and I'll, I'll deal more with it, it later, but king and lord are two different things. Many times you'll hear those, those words translated back and forth, and it will be kind of related back and forth. But let me just see if I can give it to you in, in this understanding. When we talk about king and lord, king deals with my dominance, my dominion, my, my, my overall power over everything. I am king. And, and when we talk about Lord, we're talking about domain. Look at the person beside you and say, dominance and domain. So many times you'll see those words interacted because they're two different words. You can't just say he's the king and you can't just say he's the Lord. The whole point of Jesus coming was to tie those two together so that he becomes king of kings and this has to happen. Now, we know that in the Old Testament, he's already king of kings. He, we already understand that he is the king. There is no one greater than him. He shows up in the Old Testament and through the people of Israel to demonstrate that there is no kingdom powerful enough to handle him. There is no kingdom that can over... He, he is king. He raises up kings and he lowers kings. Why? Because I am the king of kings. In fact, Israel made him very mad because they wanted a king. And the prophet told them, he said, you already have a king. 
You already have someone who is a king to you. You already have someone who oversees your life. But what he wasn't was Lord of Lords. And when we talk about a Lord, then that is his domain. Up until this time, the Lord had no domain on this earth. Humanity had sold that away, given that away, and Satan was the prince, a power of this world. He held us and, and, and put us in bondage spiritually so that we could not move or do what we would want to do. We could not break free because he was Lord of this world. God was king of all. God could have said, I'm just going to destroy it all and be done with it. He could do that because he's the king. But he could not come and just have lordship or dominion over this world without purchasing, without paying the price that had to be paid. So what was taking place was, was the understanding that a people was saying, we are ready for our king to come, but they weren't ready for their Lord to come. So go with me in your Bibles, and I want to show it to you now in a little bit of the picture that takes place during this. Go with me to Luke 1, verses 30 through 33. This is the angel speaking to Mary. And I want you to notice the, the context and the wording that's used. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with, because he is who? He is the king. You have found favor with the king, the one who is king of all. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be or will be great. And he will be called the son of the, the highest or it, it literally interpreted the most high. So all of a sudden he's saying there is a connection that's fixing to take place. There is a king in heaven who wants to have lordship on the earth. And the only way that he can do that is to send a representative to the earth who can represent him and pay the price and can accomplish the, the transaction that needs to take place so that I can combine the two. And so he says, listen to me, he will be called the son of the highest. He's already a king. He's already a king. That's why when Jesus walked on this earth, at any moment he could have called angels. In fact, it, many times the Bible says that after he had went through testing, when Satan had tested him, the Bible says the angels came and ministered to him. He was already the king. He could not change that part of his deity. That part he could not change. He could not change the fact that he was who he was. But what he chose to do is to take on the form of a servant so that he could become Lord. And here's what it says. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father. Now that's earthly. That moves us from kingdom, dominion, to lordship and what? Domain. Look at the person beside you and say domain. This is important. Because many times what we will get into, we still see him in our lives as king, but we don't see him as Lord. It will be easy to say it this way. Do you believe God can do anything? Do you believe God will do anything? 
See, if he's king, he can do anything. He's king. But if he's not Lord, then you don't really know if he can handle the problem you've got. Because he may not have dominion over that area. And he may not can handle the job that you've got. That's what always causes us the frustration. Isn't it frustrating to come to church and believe in a king, but be sitting there many times like, I just don't know what's going to happen to my kids. I don't... Oh, but he's also Lord. Don't forget that the two are combined. That part of him coming is to, to settle this fact. Now, I'm not trying to go too deep. I'm trying to stay in this thing where we can all flow together. Are we good? Okay, I, I don't want to lose you along the journey. I want you to still keep connecting the dots with me. So you're understanding that it's king, yes, king, but he's also coming to earth, not as baby Jesus, but he's coming as a representative to become Lord of all, to become the Lord of every dominion that's going to take place, to become Lord of every situation, over every disease, over every problem. That's what he demonstrates on this earth, that he was the strong man, stronger than the one who had dominion. He proves this by healing diseases that, that, that could not be healed in any natural way. He came along and cast out demons who all in this world had dominion. It was their domain until he steps in and says, I am now fixing to take lordship over everything. So the powers have to compete. The powers have to interact. The powers have to come into conflict. And every time they come into conflict, what happens is, is that Jesus prevails. Jesus prevails over sickness. He prevails over nature. He prevails over problems. He prevails over every situation, over sin, even forgiving sin. He says, there's no domain that I do not reign in on this earth. That's why when he's killed, and people wonder, oh, why would, why would G Satan kill him? Because it is the only domain that Satan says, I rule fully. Yes, you may can do these things, but if you die, now you enter into my world. Because I own hell, death, and the grave. That's my domain. That's my realm. So go with me. And he will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And listen, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, now that's not just, not just king of everything, it, it means his kingdom. It's going to reign it will reign for how long? Forever. So now that in this present time, in this world, in where we live today, here is our constant battle. We are trying to get the kingdom of God, which is already reigning and already ruling and already has authority. We're trying to, by faith, to make it and bring it into our world, into our situation, into our problems, into our in fact, Jesus teaches us this when he teaches us to pray. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, say it with me, our Father, which art in, that's his what? He's king of all. Hallowed be thy name. No, no name greater. Thy kingdom, thy will be, where? 
as it already is in our constant battle is not to win ownership, but to establish ownership in every situation that we walk into. It's not that we're purchasing or trying to earn or trying to... Let me just say it this way. Do you know there's nowhere in the Bible we're considered an army? We're not an army. You're not fighting anything. Paul made it very clear. He said, we don't fight flesh and blood. We fight with powers and principalities. Our battle, and if we're fighting powers and principalities, do they have any real power? If Jesus became victorious and defeated them and took away all their power, then there is no power. So what what are we fighting? We're fighting the understanding that his kingdom is and will be reigning and there will be no The question is, is will I let it rain in my... So what Christmas is supposed to be about is your understanding that a king is coming. Our message to the world is that a king is coming. That a king is coming. The king of kings, the Lord of lords is coming. He reigns above all. He he exists for all. He owns all. Let me see if I can take this. So his kingdom then is not of this world, even though it impacts this world. This is understandable. Go with me. And let me finish this. We got to this Luke 33. So now go with me to John 18, 33 through 38. Let me show you another spot. John 18, 33 through 38. Here's what it says. And Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, are you? Now, of all the questions Pilate could ask him, of all the things they could have a conversation about, there's only one thing that Pilate is concerned about. He does not care about anything else. The only thing he is concerned about is, are you trying to start a rebellion? Because Caiaphas and the Pharisees have said you've called yourself a king and that you are gathering a mob and you are fixing to overthrow and try to overthrow Rome. Is that what you're trying to do? Is is that what your kingdom, is that what it's about? And notice the answer that Jesus gives. (coughs) Jesus answered him, are you seeking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning? And what he's doing is he's trying to to find out or to put in front of Pilate, tell me from what angle are you coming? Did you talk to maybe the lady who got healed of the issue of blood and she said, he's a king? Did you talk to some leper that I healed and he says, he's a king? Did you talk to some of the people that I, maybe the, the widow that I raised her son from the dead, and, and, and when you, you, you met her, she said, he's a king. He raised my son from the dead. He has power over. D- did you talk to one of these, and is this the angle that you're coming from, or 
Did you talk to Caiaphas and did you talk to the Pharisees and did they tell you that I called myself a king and that you're only asking this from a rebellious side? Are you seeking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? In other words, it ticks him off. I don't even want to have to have this thought. I don't want to have to have this conversation. I don't want to have this because that's what most people want to do. When you say Jesus is king and Jesus is Lord, they quickly want to try to put it somewhere and get away from it because they don't want to be drawn into that conversation. Now, they don't mind having That's the reason we've changed our gospel. We've changed our gospel to, do you want to be saved? You want to be saved? You need to be saved. Well, explain to me, how do you get saved? Explain to me, how do I get saved? If I'm in bondage to Satan and in bondage to his kingdom, explain to me how I get saved. Well, all you got to do is just ask for forgiveness. Oh, is that, that all? That's, that's all that takes place. Or am I trading the kingdom that I know and the kingdom that I know has me bound for a king and a kingdom that will set me free? And I will make him now Lord of my life so that I don't live in the bondage of this world. Now, I know salvation was explained to you that way, right? No. Most of us in this room, it was just, did you get baptized? Did you get, confess your sins? Do you tell, Jesus, tell God you're sorry? But listen to me, what was taking place? Pilate was wise enough to say, I don't want to talk about that. I don't even want to get into that conversation. I just want to know, are you a king? And here's what happens. Listen. Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priest have delivered you to me. What have you done? See, he answers his question. He says, I didn't go talk to the lepers. And I didn't go find out anything about you raising dead people. I talked to your, your nation. I talked to your leaders. And your leaders told me who you were. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this. Think about that. In our modern Christianity, where we're trying to build churches, ministries, and Jesus' answer to him is, my kingdom is not of this. There's nothing in this world that I care anything about. There's nothing in this world that I'm trying to obtain or to have or to own. If that is what you're worried about, Pilate, you have nothing to worry about because my kingdom has nothing to do with what you love. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, now think about this. If my kingdom was of this, if what was important to me was in this world, then what would happen? 
then my disciples or my people would rise up and they would fight for it. I don't even want to go down that road. What is it we love the most? Our church buildings? Our denominations? What do we fight for? What is it that's important? Now, Jesus tells him, I'll tell you what's important to me. None of the stuff that's important to you, Pilate. You don't have, you don't have to fear anything from me because, because I don't care if you take my house. I don't care if you have my car. I don't care if, if, if I live in a little something or a big something. I don't care. It's not important to me if, if it doesn't mean anything. And in the world now, we build our happiness off of all of the things that Jesus says, I don't care anything about it. In fact, we spend most of our prayer life asking Jesus for more of that stuff. God, I need a better car. I wish I had a better job. I wish I made more money. I wish I had a better house. I wish I had a better this. And Jesus says, you're in the wrong kingdom. Look at the person beside you and ask them, are you in the wrong kingdom? What is it you talk about? What is it you think about? You say, but that stuff's important, Brother Lot. we got to have that stuff. Jesus covered that, didn't he? Didn't he on the Sermon on the Mount? Didn't he cover that? He said, seek ye first. Oh, the kingdom of God. And he said, when you do that, all these things will be. He said, it's my responsibility as the king and Lord of the kingdom to make sure that you have the things that you need. That's my job. Your job is to seek the kingdom, and as you seek the kingdom, then the other things that's in your heart and the things that you desire that God knows that you want and God knows that you need, he said, I am responsible. I am taking a covenant that I will take care of everything in your life. So what do you do when you're sick? You keep serving the kingdom. What do you do when life's not working well? You keep serving the kingdom. What do you do when, when your favorite governor doesn't get elected? You keep serving the kingdom. Why? Because the only way that your life will move forward through the kingdom, through, through coming to church and, and all the things that we do, through celebrating this Christmas holiday when we talk about baby Jesus and all this, the only way it's going to work in your life is that you understand that I belong to a different kingdom. Look at the person beside you and tell them, a king is coming. A king is coming. Here's what it says. My kingdom, said of him, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from, it's not from here. It's, it's, not, it's not of this world. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Oh, now Pilate wants to have a real conversation. He said, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a... Jesus now says, now we can talk. We can have a conversation. I am a king. And I do have dominion. And I do have authority. And I do have power. 
For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the... He said, this is the whole purpose that I'm here. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Verse 38, Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to him, I find no fault in him. Let me tell you why the world finds fault in the church and in God, because of the way we presented him. He's the God that's supposed to make sure people don't starve to death. Because if God loved people, he wouldn't. He's the God, if he really loved us, wouldn't let a hurricane hit us. Because we prayed and asked him, don't let a hurricane hit us. He's the God that's supposed to protect our stuff and give us more good stuff. And Jesus says, I don't know who told you this, but my kingdom is not of this. What I came into the world to bring you is truth. And that truth is what will transform the world that I'm in. Let me see if I can show it to you a a little more. Is it okay if we go a little further? Okay. Let's talk about then how the kingdom works. Let's talk about how the kingdom works. Now, and we'll, we'll jump back in this. But go with me to John 12, verses 24 through 33. It's a, very, it's, it's, a, it's a very controversial scripture. It's a great scripture. But let's read this, and I want to see if I can... Is, is this okay? Am I just preaching today? I'm sorry. I, I don't feel like evangelizing today. I just feel like preaching. Is that Okay. Okay, you, you, can, you can find something and you can talk about this next week to somebody. You'll look really smart. So John 12 and 24 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much, much grain. He who loves his life will... Lose it, and he who hates his life in this will keep it for eternal. Now, Jesus is telling his disciples, I am fixing to die, but I want you to understand that I am the forerunner. I am establishing myself as Lord of this world. And the only way I can establish myself as Lord of this world is that I can't ask you to do something that I myself cannot do. And I have already established that I do not love this world. I do not love the things of this world. I am not attracted to the things. I am am not going to be connected to, entangled by the things of this world. Satan has thrown everything at me. Satan has brought every temptation into my... That's why the Bible says there is no temptation that he has not faced. Satan made sure that every situation that could come into his life to make him fearful, to make him doubt, to make him want to grab a hold of something in this world and feel secure. He said, I have not grabbed any of it, but I have chose to love God the Father over everything else that I have. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also... Well, where is he? 
He's in heaven. So what's his promise to you? If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Okay, I'm going to follow the Lord. Well, what's that where I am, there my servant will also one day be. And here's what he says. If anyone serves me, him my father will... See, that's a kingdom. But there's never a moment on this earth where I'm going to have a time where anybody's going to honor me the way my father will one day honor me. I don't care if, if you're Billy Graham and, and you think, oh, we're going to write books about him, we're going to do this, and he's been a great man, a great evangelist, great. Listen to me. That's nothing compared to the honor that Billy Graham was looking forward to one day when he meets his father. What I want is to meet my father and my father to say, Tim, you have done well. And Jesus says, this is what I'm offering. But he says, this cannot happen unless a seed is willing to die. And if it dies and goes into the ground, it will produce, I promise you, it will produce much fruit. Jesus was given this opportunity. The Father looks through heaven and says, I need to send a representative. I want to send my son. And when he says, I want to send my son, Jesus says, I will go. I will be your representative. I will go represent heaven. Well, why did he do it? The Bible says that he was willing to take on the form of a servant, willing to do all of this for what cause? Knowing that the Father would honor him in time to come. And that's why it says, because he did this, God has given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every tongue should confess, every knee will bow. It, it, is, it is done. Just the same thing, he's looked at you and said, as my father honors me and has honored me, I promise you that my father will honor you. That if you are my servant and you follow me and like a seed and you're willing to die to this world and die to this, you will produce much fruit in this world and the world to come. This has to be the mindset of a kingdom. If you're going to be in Christ's kingdom, you have to have this mindset. It has to work this way. Listen to what he says. Now my soul is, is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. He says, okay, my flesh is attacking me. It doesn't want to die. The, the seed says, I don't want to go into the ground. I don't want to do this. And, and he says, what should I say then? Father, no. God, I'm not going to do, God, I'm not going to forgive my cousin. God, I'm not going to do that. God, I'm not going to be faithful. Am I going to now, at the moment where God says, I need you to die right here, I need you to die in this place, I need you to die in this situation, am I going to look at the Father and say, no, I'm not going to do that? You'll have to find someone else. Jesus says, now my soul is troubled. Go back. My soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this. Look at the person beside you and ask them, what is the purpose of you being alive this hour? Do you know what it is? What is the purpose of you being alive at this hour? For some of you in this room, you're just in a season of learning. You know what your hour is right now? It's the hours I had years ago. 
when I would get off my regular job and I would come to church and, and I would sit there and I would take the cushions off the chairs in the church and I would stack them up here and I would, I, I would, I would just lay back when I was 18 years old and 17 years old and 20 years old and I would just sleep on the floor and when I'd wake up, I'd read more and we and God would wrestle through scriptures and do this and I did that for many years. That was a season and God says, why are you alive right now, Tim? Well, I want to be a preacher. Well, you ain't alive for that right now. That's not you. Sorry. I want to be able to... It's not you. Your job is to push buggies, clean toilets, and grow. That's why you're alive at this hour. If I can trust you at this hour, then I'll bring you into a situation where it'll be a better hour. What is the hour that you're in right now? To be the best parent you can be? Are you reading books on parenting? Are you learning how to be a better parent? Are you talking to older parents who've done it before, who've training you to be a best parent you can possibly be? What, what are you doing? Are you a worker? Do you have a job? What's your work ethic? Are you the best worker in there? Could you go up to your boss and say, am I the best employee that you have? Would he look at you and laugh? Like, no, dude. No, you're not. Know. Or would he say, yes, if everybody did it like you, I would have a great place. Are you becoming the best at whatever hour God has put you? See, we don't think of it that way. But Jesus was the best at every hour. When he was 12, he was the best at that hour. From the age of 12 to 30, when he finally went into ministry, he was the best, the best son he could be, the best, the best uh, uh, person he could be. He, he, he tried to live the best life. He grew. How do you know this? Because when God says he's baptized and he comes up, God, through a form of a dove, comes down and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. How many people has Jesus healed? How many miracles has he done? But what was he saying? He said, my son up until this hour, is everything I wanted him to be. But he says, now my soul is troubled. Why? Because I'm in a different hour. A different battle. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Do you not realize But for this purpose I came to this hour? Father, glorify your name. That's about the kingdom. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. That's pretty cool. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that, that it was thunder. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me. But for, he said, Jesus said, I already knew it. It didn't happen for me. It happened so you would hear something from the Lord. Now is the judgment of this world. And notice what he's saying. He's now ready to become Lord. And listen to what he says. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast What's he saying? Satan is fixing to lose his domain. He's fixing to lose his... his he, Satan has never been a king. I'm the king. 
But what I'm fixing to do now is through what I'm fixing to do through what the Father's asked me and, and, and purpose for my life to do in this hour, I am fixing to remove the domain of the enemy. That means in your house, he has no domain. In this church, he has no domain. In your life, he has no domain. Listen to how Jesus says it. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. Now, this is the scripture I want us to settle on just a second. The word draws there is not what it means. It's not, it's not that we would like to think that, well, God encourages us, attracts us. God, God loves us and, and God is, is, is drawing us to it. The word draw there is in the Greek is helko, H-E-L-K-O. And the word does not mean to attract or to entice. The word literally means this, to drag or pull by physical force, often implying resistance. So what has happening is, is that in my life, in my, let, let me give you some places where this scripture is used. It'll help you, help you. In, in, in Job 6 and 44, it says, you don't have to pull these up, but just listen to me. Job 6 and 44, no man can come to me, or John 6 and 44, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. The word draw there means to dragging you to the Lord. Nobody comes except the Father hath drawn him, and I will raise him up in the last day. John 12 and 32 says it this way, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I just read this, will draw all men or will drag all men. John 18 and 10 says this, and Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it. Means, it means he, he forcefully acted out. He was not attracting his sword. He was drawing. He was dragging it. John 21 and 6. And Jesus said to them, cast your net on the other side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it from the multitude of fish. That what it's saying is they weren't trying to attract the fish into the boat. They weren't trying to attract the fish. The word elko there means they could not drag it to the shore. They could not drag it onto the boat. Why is this so important, Brother Lot? Because this is the understanding of the kingdom. This is the understanding how the kingdom works in our lives. Acts 21 and 30, and the city was moved and the people ran together and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple. You think they were attracting him? They're trying to, trying to be No, they grabbed him and they drug him out of the temple. Here's what James 2 and 9, this will make more sense. You can pull this scripture up. James 2 and 6. James 2 and 6. We'll settle on this one. This will, this will help you a little bit. It'll make more sense because in our modern day, we lawyer up, right? Well, here's, here's what the Bible says. In James 2 and 6. There we go. But you have dishonored the poor man. In other words, you have done something dishonorable. What have you done? Do not the rich oppress you and 
drag you into the courts? He says, did you, did you get a letter that says, look, we would really like for you to show up to court today if you, if you feel like it. No, you have been summoned. And if you don't show up, the cops will come and they will drag you into the courtroom. This is the language that James is using, that Paul uses, that others use to try to illustrate and to show you what he's talking about here when he talks about the kingdom. He's saying, look at it like a, a court case. If, if the judge says, you be in court on this date at this time, you don't send him a letter and say, I just didn't feel like coming today. And in the same way, Jesus says, here is the conditions and what I have set up in this world. To be Lord of lords, King of kings, here is the, here is the condition that has to be met. Going back to James, or going back to... Verse 33 of John 12. He said, here is, here is what I, I, I'm, I'm telling you. If I be lifted up, that's talking about his death and talking about how he would die. If, if I be lifted up, if I'm killed, if I go through with it, then it changes everything about the conditions. Well, what changes? And if I am lifted up from the earth, verse 32, and if I am lifted up from the earth, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, and that's the prerequisite, did that happen? He died, right? The world says, no, no, we don't want to, no, no, he died. He rose from the dead. So what changed? What changed in the world the moment he did this? I will draw all peoples to myself. Now, I want you to, to realize this. That's why he says, you did not choose me, but I chose So in the kingdom, Brother Lot, what is our job? If there is a king who has come and he has put a prerequisite, he's met it, he's told you what I'm going to do from this moment on. For the last 2,000 years, do you know what's been taking place? Is that God, through the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, has been drawing or dragging people to him. Now, some of that dragging comes from three different or two different areas. First, there's the person who does not believe in God. Do you understand that God has been dragging that person to himself? And since he has dominion and rule over everything, and he has king of kings and lord of lords, do you know that he uses everything that he chooses at his disposal to do it? The car wrecks? The situations they got in, the addictions that were in their life. See, when you can understand that, that when I was away from God, God used everything at his disposal to drag me to himself. So the enemy looks at me and says, 
Tim, you were a horrible person. These are things that you did. Tim, you were, you, I mean, you, you had addictions and you had problems and man, you were, you, 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 you had issues. And God says, that's true. And then God winks and says, but I let them happen. What, what do you mean you let them happen? I let them happen. Some of them I brought into your life. Oh, now I've messed you up. Look at the person beside you and say, God let a lot of the junk in my life take place. And go ahead and tell them, say, God didn't even stop a lot of the junk that I brought on myself. Because the beauty of being king of kings and lord of lords is I can stop it when I want to, change it when I want to, use it however I want to, do whatever I want with it. And God looks at me and says, Tim, I know about all that. In fact, I allowed a lot of that. Why? So that I, as I've been lifted up, will draw you to myself. I use the pain and the hurt and the difficult. Listen, when do you normally win someone to the Lord? When they just won the lottery? If you were going to win somebody, I mean, really win them to the Lord, I mean, really have a life-changing moment, would you say to yourself, you know what, if I could just buy them dinner today and give them an extra $1,000, I believe they'd get saved. You think they would really change their life for that? But now, let's say life does not go well and difficulties take place and heartbreak happens and they're broken. Do you think that's a better opportunity, a better moment to plant a seed, to speak a word, to change their life? Well, if you know that much, then how much more do you think God knows it? If you know that much, then how much more do you think God knows it? That's why for the sinner, for the sinner, he looks at them and says, I'm going to use whatever's at my disposal because it's not my will that any should perish, but all that should come to the knowledge of Christ. I'm going to use whatever's in my disposal to win them. Look at the person beside you and say, a king has come. And so when somebody is talking to you next week and you're talking to them and they're like, but my life is, you can just smile and say, hey, God, let that happen. Well, I don't love no God like that. Well, that'd be stupid. Because God used all that so that you think straight for just a moment. If God didn't love you, he'd have just let you keep going and just fell off a cliff one day. But God didn't do that. God brought you to this moment so I could stand in front of you. In fact, God brought me in front of you to preach this little bitty word because God chose the foolishness of preaching to tell you that you're going in the wrong direction and I'm giving you an opportunity and you have a choice right now to whether you want to keep serving the kingdom that is or you want to finally acknowledge that the kingdom that used to be was broken and you can go free. you got to choose your king. You have to choose the kingdom that you're going to serve and be a part of. Well, what about us that are saved, Pastor? And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to my 
And he said this signifying what death he would. This is the hard part. I am saved on my way to heaven. And so what I really want is for things to go good. Because I've accepted Christ. I mean, that's kind of a reasonable understanding, right? I accepted Jesus. Things ought to go. Doesn't it tick you off when you go to church and you do all the stuff you do and you believe in Jesus, you put your Christmas tree up, you manger scene, you, you read them the Christmas story, you do all the stuff, and things just don't go. And you end up with some sickness sometimes and you end up with some problems sometimes. And, and, and this morning we've already had one phone call and Lisa's got to go deal with the situation so she's not here right now. Caitlin's upset because we've had a puppy for years and years and years. It's her favorite puppy. It's got disappeared for days. We don't know if it'll ever come back. There's sickness. There's problems. There's, And I'm like, God, can't we just, just calm this? Thing? Can't you just, just, I mean, just for a little while, just, can't you just fix everything? Just, I mean, I am a Christian and I, I'm going to church today. God says, good, Tim. Because here's what I want you to understand. You are saved. And what I want to do more than anything else in this world is draw you closer to me. What I want you to do, Tim, is I want you to be more like my son. And to be more like my son, I did not make his life easier. I planted him like a seed. And the hour that you're in right now, Tim, just like he was in, I need you in this hour to be the person I'm calling you to be. And I need you to love the kingdom more than you love anything else. And what happens at the end of each one of those moments is that I grow. I wish I could put me now in an 18-year-old body. Anybody ever think like that? If I could put what I've learned and what I've, oh, if I could take it and, and, and slap it into a young body now. I see these young guys and going into ministry and called, and I'm thinking, oh, if I could go back and read and go back and just, I would have done it. What's more fur? I didn't realize at the time how important each one of those moments was. I kept waiting for the next thing or the next thing. And God says, be successful in this thing. Be successful in this moment. Be the best. Outgrow this moment. So for you that have cancer or you that are sick or you that are going through family troubles or you that are going, listen to me, outgrow your moment. Be the person you're supposed to be. Well, I can't do it, Brother Lott. Absolutely. I agree with you. That's why you don't. You're part of a kingdom. A king has come. And in a kingdom, it works differently than anything else. Let me explain as I close a kingdom. 
Let me give you just a few things about a kingdom. A king and Lord are sovereign rulers. That means whatever you're going through right now, whatever situation, whatever circumstance, God, the Lord Jesus Christ, they reign over it. Why ain't God healing me? I don't know. But it's not because God can't. Why ain't God just fixing it? I don't know why he hadn't fixed it all yet, but I know it's not a problem for his power. He can speak one word, do one thing. There's something he's still growing you in. There's something he's still wanting to do. There's something about his kingdom that says, and, and you hear that voice that Jesus heard. It says, I am glorified and I will be glorified again. In a kingdom, a territory, a domain, in a kingdom has a constitution, a royal covenant. Do you know that Jesus has a covenant with you? I showed it to you a while ago. Here's, here's what I want you to say out loud. That if I pursue the kingdom, that if I love the kingdom more than anything else, that if I'm willing to give my life to the kingdom, to let Jesus be Lord and King of my life, Then, all of these things that I need, He will provide them. That's hard to believe, ain't it? That's your battle. That's your battle. He's given you His covenant. He's already given you His promise. If you'll seek the kingdom... All these things will be added. If he takes care of birds and they ain't starving, I didn't walk in today and see birds laid on the side of the road like, I just ran out of food. God says, I took care of them. I can make sure every one of them's got enough food. In fact, I have flowers for the wintertime and flowers for the summertime and I have mums and I have different things and poinsettias are coming out now. And you know what he said? If I take care of all of that and those things are here today and die tomorrow, how much more do you think I will take care of So what will your conversation at lunch be? Will it go something like this? I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to forget all this. I don't. Or will it be, man, I'm so excited. I don't know what God's going to do to make all this stuff work, but it's going to be cool when it all happens. Because whose problem is it? It's his. That's part of a kingdom covenant. It has a citizenry. That's all you are. To me, you're my sisters, you're my brothers. We're part of the citizenry of heaven. We're not an army. We're not, we're not going to go out today and fight the battles and win the wars. That's not what we do. We just tell people we're citizens of heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven. Therefore, it comes with all the blessings and it comes with all the advantages of being a citizen of his kingdom. He has laws. Yes, we have a Bible. I hope you read it. And in that Bible, you're going to find laws, how to act, how to talk to people, how to dress, how to... Because if you're going to live in His kingdom, He has a way that you are to carry yourself. How you are to present yourself. Inside a kingdom, He has privileges, blessings, 
of healing and miracles and things that follow us. Signs and wonders will follow those that believe. There's an army. We are encamped about by angels. In fact, we'll just use it as a Christmas story line. The Bible says that when the shepherds were out and the angel proclaimed that as they began to sing, what lit up the sky? The heavenly host. Why, why, would, why, would, I mean, why do we have to have a heavenly host? Do you understand a host is the same word for army? What God was saying was, I'm sending my son who is a king. And he already has an army. Angels are fighting for you, ministering to you. His warring angels go out and they take care of your prayers and they cover them and make sure that they're brought and to and fro. We don't fight in our flesh. We don't fight. We fight with principalities and power and we do that through prayer and our belief. We believe and we pray. We believe and we pray. And we believe and we pray. And God says, I fight the battles. I win the wars. Something else about this is a society's culture, its traditions, protocol, procedures. This morning, I'm going to end it here. But I wanted to give you just a, a, a brief synopsis that a king has come. Do you realize that what we're celebrating over these is the king has come? And if we're living in his kingdom, then we are provided for. We are taken care of. We have a retirement out of this world. And yes, there may be battles and struggles that we have to go through in this earth, but they are only so it brings him glory. And whether he brings it about our way or the way we would like or the way we wouldn't like, we like Jesus say, Lord, it's not my will, but yours be done. You be glorified in it. And as we do that, he says, you live peacefully in my kingdom. I don't know about this morning what Christmas means to you and what this season means to you. I, I really struggle with these seasons. I'm not much on them. I don't like all the fanfare. I don't like all the stuff that goes along with it. And you can kind of understand why. I believe that it is the greatest moment history has ever seen. That the king of the world has come. Not a baby Jesus, not just, but the king of the world. And if you're in that kingdom, then today you live in peace Enjoy. Today you live with the understanding that I'm taken care of. Today you live with the understanding that there's nothing in this world I would trade for what I have and what I one day will obtain. Will you stand? If I be lifted up, I will draw all peoples unto myself.
So my job today is the same as it's been ever since the day I got saved. I'm going to keep lifting him up and living in his kingdom so that through my life and through my words and through my actions, something miraculous happens. God drags people to himself. Brother Lord, I, I just want to see this happen. That's not your, that's not your focus. Brother Lord, I just want to see my kids saved. That's not your focus. You can't do that. But what you can be is the greatest example of someone who lives in the kingdom. And through people watching you live in the kingdom and watching what it looks different than living in the bondage of this world. God says, I take that. The foolishness of preaching your life and, and I drag people. I drag them to me. And he's been doing it for 2,000 years through every nation, country, creed, language. And we're still part of it. So what we're celebrating in this world over these next month is we smile at the biggest smile we can smile and we look at the world and we say, a king has come. But it's Xmas, no. It's Christmas. A king has come. And that king has set me free. And that king can set you free. All power has been given to that king. He is king of kings. And he is lord of lords. His dominion, his reign knows no end. There's no power, no principalities, no, there's no fight. No one's fighting him anymore. He reigns and rules above all. The world will see it one day when he returns. We just live it out right now. If you're in this place and maybe just the fog of all the stuff that goes on, and I understand, like I said this morning, I got stuff going on and stuff happening, and, and I understand that. But I have to shake myself and I have to remind myself that's not the purpose of your life, Tim. There's always going to be stuff. And it's going to come and go. But it's the kingdom that will produce. It's the kingdom, like a seed in the ground, that will bring forth much fruit. Father, this morning, for that person, maybe like me this week, stuff thrown at them. And right now, they just need to shake themselves like Samson. And they need to remind themselves for what purpose they were born, why they got saved, and what salvation means. That they're not just saved from their sin, but they're in a different kingdom. And their king, it's time to celebrate him. It's time to lift him up to the world. It's time to tell him who he is and what he did. And like Pilate of old, they can ask, is he a king? And we can say, yes, he is.
Not a king of this world, of the stuff of this world. But a king that reigns and rules over this world. That has the power to free a man from himself. To free a person from the bondage of their past and their lives and their sins. All the chaos we see in this world today is because people are searching for that king. They can't find it in this world. They can't find it. And they act out through shootings. They act out through angers and stabbings and and, and beatings and all the chaos we see is because their kingdom is not real. God used us this year to show them the kingdom, to show them the reality, to show them the freedom, the joy that comes from knowing you and serving you and being loved by you. In Jesus' name, Amen and amen. God bless you. Go give that old devil fits.